Good evening, everyone. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Karen. Hey, Karen. Hi, guys. Um, can you hear me okay? Give me a thumbs up. Okay, hey, good. Karen. I, have, I have the worst reception in my house, and there's only one place where I get it, so I have to sit like right here with my iPad posted. So um, thank you so much for asking me to come and speak. Um, I, uh, I get very nervous when I have to even speak at the podium, and so doing this on Zoom takes it to a whole nother level for me. Um, but, uh, I want to welcome the newcomers and anybody who is, uh, relatively new to Alcoholics Anonymous and tell you that, um, being someone who was in the depths of hell and lost my soul and the will to live that Alcoholics Anonymous brought me back to life. Um, I'm very emotional today and I don't know why it's Mother's Day. That's why. So. Um, I, uh, I have a sobriety date. It's September 13th, 2003. And, uh, very grateful for that. Um, I see Paul on here. Um, he was at do it sober when, uh, when I first got sober and, uh, they gave me the donut commitment and, um, they all welcomed me at that meeting. I was so grateful for that. Um, so it's good to see you Paul on here. Um, Happy birthday, Kelly. Uh, congratulations on 15 years. That's awesome. Uh, it, is, it is a journey and we trudge. Um, God, I'm so nervous. I don't know why. It's like I get cotton mouth, like I just smoked a joint. Mm. But um, so uh, I got 16 and a half years. I, um, I grew up in Venice Beach, California. I have a brother and uh, He's about 18 months younger than I, and uh, my mother and my father, you know, from, from pictures I've seen, they were a happy couple, and we were good as kids, and everything looked great, um, but uh, from a standpoint of where I was at my age, when I saw my mother's drinking get out of control, it was, uh, I was a very fearful child, and uh, I had a hard time communicating it, and so I would be violent, and uh, angry and act out in inappropriate places, you know. Um, I got suspended from school a couple of times. Uh, they actually kicked me out of the private school I was at, um, you know, for stealing. And, uh, you know, I, I was so uncomfortable as a child that the first time when I took a drink, I never felt so great. I mean, at 13, you know, I took my mom's bottle of vodka and went out in the alley. And uh, the girl across the way, her and I, uh, her um, her mom and my mom used to party together. So it's kind of like she was always at our house. So I met her in the alley and we drank this bottle of vodka. And uh, I got to tell you, I didn't give a shit about what was going on. I felt great. I felt happy. I felt at ease, you know, um, and I don't remember getting sick or anything like that, but I tell you, I couldn't wait to do it again. And from that point on, you know, my, my whole world switched around to the aspect of, I just wanted to have fun. I didn't want to go to school. I ditch, I take the bus down to Santa Monica mall. We go down to the boardwalk. I'd steal, you know, from stores and then uh, ask people to buy me alcohol or, 
you know, those days it was a lot easier to get drugs than it was to get, you know, to be able to buy alcohol. And so I started in, into some other issues. And I think no matter what, for me, alcohol, you know, alcohol was always on the table. Uh, it was like water. You know what I mean? I always had it. And I think I used outside issues so that I could drink more. And um, also, too, it was very reliable, you know. Um, when you, you drank a bottle of Jack Daniels, you knew where you were going to go. You knew the place. You know, if you took two hits of acid, you know, it could be bunk or it could be the ride of your life. You know, you never knew what was going to happen. Um, over the years, you know, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't do great in school. You know, I was always really good in sports and I, I tried to... Um, keep that up but you know the drinking and the and the drugs and the party you know they weren't just weekends things they were Monday morning at 10 a.m. behind you know Beethoven's market you know it was um walking you know down Venice or riding my skateboard down there going going to a friend's house because they're gonna have you know party during the day and, and uh it got bad really quick and at about 16 I um I went to go see my mom. My parents had divorced and, and I went to go see my mom and, and she has been, you know, riding the rails pretty hard and, and uh, she was doing some harder drugs than I was. So, you know, she's considered a real drug addict in my eyes, you know, there's the, the pot, you know, calling the kettle black. And, and I really, um, that was the last time I ever saw her. And uh, we, we partied together. It, it got weird. I got uncomfortable, which is not, it's hard for me to get uncomfortable when I'm drunk or when I'm loaded. And I, you know, I stole her car and went on to go about what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later, I get arrested um, because I stole, apparently, my mom's stolen car. So, you know, I went to juvenile hall for almost a year for uh, the contents in the vehicle, which, you know, I knew of, but I didn't know, you know. I was always, I don't know where it came from, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was, it was tough, you know, you're in juvenile hall and, um, you know, my family's pretty much like, she's just like her mother, you know, she's a lost cause and, and uh, I get out of juvenile hall and I pretty much just ditch the idea of, you know, going back to school, it would just take way too long. So I got my GED and, you know, uh, started working in bars started going to cosmetology school it's like perfect you know what i mean because in cosmetology school there's like a, an aspect of if you if you drink or do coke you're like cool i don't know what it is but it, it, it was acceptable you know it wasn't like people looked at you awkwardly so you know i fit right in there and i did that for a while and and once again you know the jig was up and and uh, you know people that i was using and abusing you know it was like get her out of here. She's a problem, you know, which is, was constant in my life. And, and I think when, when I think back to being a child before I even drank, I always felt like I was the problem. And, um, and it proceeded to be my subconscious talk as I got older and the alcohol and the drugs for me helped me pretty much by not killing myself, I really think. Um, I really had 
a low sense of self-esteem, promiscuous, didn't give a shit. I was just uh, reckless. Um, and I didn't care who I hurt. And, you know, over the years, um, my, uh, my dad was, uh, my brother was living with my dad and they weren't even talking to me. And, and, uh, and I didn't want to have anything to do with them because it was the same questions. Where have you been? What you been up to? Well, do you care? Like, um, I, I just didn't like being questioned. You know what I, it was not, don't ask me, I'm an adult. I'm out here living my life. And, you know, I, and I wasn't living, I was surviving. I was surviving the streets and doing the things that I was doing. I'm surprised that I am alive today in some of the situations that I put myself in. And, <clears throat> you know, at 22, I was hanging out with worse people and doing worse things. And I ended up going upstate and I did two years there. And it was, um, you know, it was a wake up call with, with like, I'm not really a criminal. Like I was trying, now I was trying to play the drug addict card. You know, I'm just, just send me to AA, you know, like everybody else gets a court card or, you know, um, they get drug court, you know, you're sending me to prison. Um, but you know, that wasn't, that wasn't for me. And I guess I needed to experience that. And and when I got out of there, I'd always said, you know, I just need to get it under control. I just, I just can't, you know, mix these three entities. You know, if I just drink wine, I'll be okay. Or, you know, if I just smoke a joint or two, I won't, you know, rob houses. Or um, if I just um, not hang out with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, then I'll be okay because they're the problem. And um, it kept getting worse and worse for me. But when I got out, my, my best idea was to call Mike and act, you know, and I, I took the Greyhound and he picked me up and, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing on the way back. And and I'm like, holy shit, I got to see my parole officer and take a drug test in 24 hours, you know. But I never cared about what my consequences would be. I would always just go, forget it. I'll worry about it when the time comes. I'll figure it out then. It's cool. I can handle it. And every single time, I, there were so many things you could dodge and stuff just catches up with you. And for some reason, when I went to go see that parole officer, they didn't drug test me. And I was like, well, cool. They saw me high. So they think I'm like this all the time. So, I mean, I, I could rationalize and justify anything. And, um, and I really, I, I would start believing shit myself. You know, I was such a good liar. And that whole time of being on parole, you know, I'm, I'm living in motels. I'm now, in, you know, I'm in Orange County. I'm, I'm on Beach Boulevard and running and gunning around there trying to, you know, get away from my parole officer. And I meet this guy and, you know, <clears throat> you know, we were like oil and water. I mean, he, it was just hell. It was just like. I met my match, you know, and one of us was going to die. One of us was going to die and it wasn't going to be me. And I realized that in this last uh, fight that we had had, um, and you know, it, I, I honestly thought, oh my God, I've killed him. He's bleeding. He's not getting up. He's, 
And, and I was, and I was like, how am I going to get his body in the back of the car? It's three 30 in the morning. I'm on beach Boulevard and ball. And I'm out of my mind. Like I haven't slept in two weeks. I'm drinking and doing everything possible. And finally I just was like, when is this going to end? Like, when is this going to end? And I grabbed a few things and was out the door and, uh, you know, he caught up with me. He, you know, came to, of course he would. It was like out of a horror movie and uh, he came chasing after me, you know, in his car and threw me in the car and was taking me out to the desert and he was going to kill me and it was going to be near him, you know, and, and I ended up being on the side of the 15 freeway at Nichols road, walking with no shoes, $80 in my pocket. I don't have a driver's license. I don't have anything. I have nobody to call. And, um, you know, it's a sad place to be. It's a very sad place to be because my drinking and my addiction isolated myself from everybody who truly loved me. And, um, even if I didn't agree with how they showed their love, I, I distanced myself and I really had no one. And the people that I was hanging out with, they didn't even want to have anything to do with me anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I got to that truck stop and I made that phone call and I called my dad, you know, I hadn't talked to him in years and he made me sit out there on the curb and I just remember people walking by me and looking at me like, oh my God, look at her pathetic, you know, uh, getting their morning coffee, going to work, you know, that sort of thing. And it was demoralizing. I think that moment was more demoralizing for me um, because I had no idea how I had morphed into this addiction of mine. I had no idea how I had completely changed and my perception on life was just so askew. And uh, he picked me up and of course, you know, he's not, he's taking me to my parole officer. He's just gonna drop me there. And I'm like, well, I'm going, I'm gonna get violated. I'm gonna go back to prison. And um, you know, she didn't violate me. She sent me to a, a woman's uh, domestic violence shelter. And I was like, oh God, you know, if anything, he should be in the domestic violence shelter because I beat the shit out of him. But it was, it was crazy. Cause I was like, that's where I'm going. Like, I'm like, okay, that's, and that's where I'm going. And I got there and this nice little home in San Clemente and they drug tested me and they said, Oh honey, you don't belong here. And once again, it was Karen doesn't belong here. We're going to send you somewhere else. And they were driving me down the freeway. They found this place in Laguna Hills and it was called Ashland home. And I debated as we were getting off the freeway at Alicia, you know, to uh, jump out of the moving vehicle because I didn't want to go to detox. And, <clears throat> you know, I didn't share all this in my story before this, but I had been to Stanton detox when it was a, when it was a trailer, you know, I was at the rock center twice. I've been to the heart house, the hope house. I've been to every house there is, you know, <clears throat> in between all of my runs and the things that I'm doing. And, uh, you know, one more detox and, and, and I just, I don't know what it was, but you know, God prevented me from jumping out of that vehicle. And when I got to that home, my first thought was, 
how much does this place cost? Because I got $80 and that's it. I don't own anything. I don't have anything. And I don't have any parents that want to provide for anything. And they said, no, it's for free. And, and it's all ran by volunteers. And I was like, what? I mean, this place was really nice. And uh, it was an awkward day. I remember it was a Sunday. It was a visiting day. So all these people had uh, family members or husbands over to visit them. and. Uh, I just remember, just like when you go to jail, okay, figure out who's in charge, what's going on, who's got what, you know, so that you can get the get down on what's going on. And um, I was just so tired. I was just tired. And, you know, I, I did, I did everything they asked me to while I was there. And I was very, uh, I questioned everything, you know, it was the, the, the things I'd hear in the meeting in the aspect of, you know, Karen, um, you got to change everything, you know, but don't do anything, you know, drastic in your first year or stick with the winners, but don't judge, you know. And I was like, you guys are so contradicting. I don't understand what all this means. And part of me realized that I knew I could not go on living the way I was living and doing the things I was doing for very much longer. And, um, I asked a gal to be my sponsor. She was my first sponsor and I had her for five years and bless that woman's heart. She helped me so much in my first five years. Uh, with just the simple, I would call her, you know, at like 30 days and be like, oh my God, I have 30 days. Like I need a fucking parade for this. You know what I mean? It was like, everybody should do a parade. Karen's got 30 days. It's real. They're all together, nights and weekends included. And um, she's like, you know, Karen, just be grateful. You be grateful. And uh, I, I really, I started to under, understand the aspect of being grateful that, um, you know, for some reason, I got taken out of the situation that I was in, and it was like a 24 to 48 hours of like a blur that I don't remember, and I end up in this beautiful home, and I'm around all these women who most of them I didn't like. I don't like too many people. I'm just like that anyways. I, I judge way too much. Um, it's a character defect of mine, but but I'm, I'm, and it's, and it comes from a fearful place because I fear, because if you get to know me, you're going to hurt me. And if I get to know you, you're just going to leave anyways. And I was just so broken. And the great thing about, about that for me was, is that I had gotten so low that there was only one way to go. And that was up. And I had the most amazing people around me. I started going to do it sober. I made that my home group, you know, and I would hang out with all the old timers and we'd go to breakfast after the meeting. And, and then I got a commitment and they were like, Karen, you're going to do the donuts. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the donuts. I'm going to do the donuts. Right. And I'm going to make a cake out of the donuts. I'm going to put the candles. Over. I was so obsessive. And this one guy in the meeting, I'll never forget this. I had about eight, eight or nine months. And, um, he comes over to me and I'm in the kitchen and I'm cutting the donuts and I have this huge knife in my hand. And he comes over and he goes, Hey, just to let you know, I sit on the end right there and I'd like a maple bar every morning. And I was like, fuck you, old man. Are you kidding me? Like, who do you think you are? But you know what? I did it. I did it. And I put his donut there and I was happy to. He had been sober, sober over 30 years 
And it's the least I can do. I hadn't done anything for anybody in a long time. I was walking around self-serving myself for so many years by drinking and getting loaded and take, 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 take. And I, but, you know, regardless of how some days I wouldn't want to do, but I just did it. And those were the little things that were starting to happen as I was walking through the steps with my sponsor. And, you know, I heard somebody say a couple of years ago about, you know, having to know you need to learn to begin to, to learn how to begin. You need, you need to know where you are. And I knew I was at, I had a blank page. I could start this all over. I could, um, I could take direction and my life could be different. And I told myself, I made a promise to myself that in, in one year, if my life isn't completely turned around and better, I'm going to go back out. But I'm going to give this one year, I'm going to do everything my sponsor told me to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I may not like it, and I may bitch about it to other people, but I am going to do it. And there were a lot of times where, you know, looking for a job when you're on parole, it's tough, you know. Uh, having to go see your parole officer when she's in Anaheim, you got to take a bus two hours, it's tough. You know, a lot can happen on a bus ride in two hours. You know what I mean? Going from Lagoon Hills to Anaheim, she can go down real quick. So it was like I was always on guard. I mean, it was just constant on guard. And I think the longer and the more days I put together being sober, I started to get some sort of like, I'm protected. Like I said my prayers, I, I did my work, I called my sponsor. I have, I have a list of things that I'm going to tackle today. They're all productive. I'm going to take care of the things that I need to do. Then I'm going to go to my meeting. I'm going to sit there and I'm not going to be mean to so-and-so over there who I don't particularly care for. You know, it was just little things and those days added up. And in one year, you know, I had worked all my steps. I was still continuing to do some of my ninth step, you know, and paying things back and doing those things that we do. But at one year I was like, I can't believe I have shoes on my feet. I have a job. I'm starting to create a new relationship with my brother, which I didn't have, you know, uh, that was a blessing. And um, I was excited to see what the next year was going to hold for me. And I didn't want to throw this all away. You know, there was uh, so many moments in, in, in the years and, and, um, and I think different levels of truth for me about, you know, how, how good my relationship was with God. You know, there was a part of me that really, well, if I did everything right, everything would work in my favor and favor. And if it didn't, I was like, well, God doesn't love me, you know? And it was like, my sponsor would tell me, Karen, you need to get a bigger God. You know, he, he is, or he isn't, he's everything or he's nothing. And and I would keep doing the work. And I was, I started working for this catering company and I was just, I would complain about things and I would go into the office and I would slam the door and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to lose my mind, you know? And, and the gal that used to work in there, she used to be, I remember somebody used to make 17 cents an hour in a kitchen in prison, you know? And it was like, Oh, like she's so right. But like, I don't need to hear that right now. Just let me bitch about things. But that's what I love about Alcoholics Anonymous is when you're close with people there are times I think when you need to vent and you just need to have somebody listen and get it all off your chest and then get into action, you know, don't loathe in it. 
And um, my whole sobriety has really been about action. I'm an action-oriented person. I've always been that way. So it was very easy for me to go, okay, I'm just going to go over here and we're going to see what happens. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sweep the floor. I'm going to wash the dishes. I'm going to, you know, whatever it was that I was doing and do it to the best of your ability. You know, I kept reading, you know, half measures available is nothing. And I was like, okay, don't half-ass anything. You've never been half-assed. You've always been all in, in every single thing you do. So, you know, about three, I want to say I had three years sober. Um, my great uncle passed away and a lot of my family was getting together and and i was asked if i would do the catering for the service and um, you know i was really nervous about that because being around a lot of family for me there are a lot of triggers um there's some family members that i used to drink and get high with or some family members that i didn't but they always looked at me with that evil eye and um it was just always awkward and uncomfortable uh, and I was going to go do this sober for the first time to be around all these people. And, uh, and I did what I was going to do. I went there, I saw some people and, um, you know, my mind will create this event in my head that hasn't even happened yet. And it will make it so big that it will keep me in fear sitting on my couch, not going anywhere in life. And it's, it's not rational. You know, I, and I know that about myself, and yet sometimes I get stuck in it. So I just, moving forward, I, you know, five years, I, I had a, my boss at the time threw me this big party, and there was all these people at the house, and, you know, in walks my dad. I hadn't seen my dad since uh, the day he picked me up on the side of the 15 freeway. And, you know, when you're five years sober, it's so interesting how you work some steps and you've seen some things about yourself. You know, you uncover, discover, and discard. But there's certain things that come up, you know. And when I saw him, I, you know, my first thought was, I'm so grateful he didn't take me back to, to his house. That he didn't let me go and throw another, you know, story on him where I can sleep for a week, get myself cleaned up, and then get back out there again. You know, I wanted to say, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. But then there was another part of me that was, that was like, why are you even here? You know, I've been writing you letters, uh, you know, every month. I paid you back all the money. You never even said, hey, thank you. You never even said, hey, uh, you know, oh, glad you're doing well, you know. But that's so selfish and self-centered. Why do I need praise? You know, I, I, it was, it was uncomfortable, but moving forward, I carried myself like a sober woman and, uh, it's great to see it, gave him a hug. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that relationship hasn't come to, uh, anything better, you know, unfortunately. And, and I wish I could tell you differently. I, I wish I could tell you that I have a, a relationship with my mother, but, um, you know, I don't, I haven't seen her since I was 16 when I smoked crack with her. That's just the deal with that. And she's been on the streets since then. And when we, when we pray out and we say, you know, for the alcoholic who still suffers out there, you know, I always, not all the time, but I do frequently think about, you know, wherever she is, um, on the streets doing what, doing what we do. And, and, and I can't imagine at my age doing it, let alone at her age, you know, uh, this program has given me, you know, a lot to be grateful for. And, and uh, I have a sponsor. Her name's Kathy. Um, my first sponsor passed away a couple years ago. And, uh, 
she, um, I went and saw her before she passed and, and I thanked her and I cried at her bedside and, and, um, you know, her, um, her part in my life, I think if she wasn't there, I don't think I would have stayed around Ashland. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't, I really don't. She was so integral. And I think God has such that big picture all out there. He knows, and I have no clue. I'm just down here trying to do the footwork. Um, a couple years ago, you know, um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I moved up in, in, jobs and you know I got a better job you know they somebody trusted in me that that I could do the job that entailed that I could suit up and show up and you know with that job you know I was able to make some money and you know able to buy a house and and I just it was it was my 13th birthday and uh, when I moved in I turned 13 when I got the keys to my house and I came in here and I was just you know, my realtor was walked in before me and he's like, it looks so great. They painted it. And, and I just hit my knees and I was like crying. And I was like, you don't understand. Like I was homeless, helpless, powerless, um, and shoeless. And here I am at 13 years, you know, and, so, and, it, and it all happened in perfect timing, you know, I was so grateful. You know, I didn't have all the furniture. I had one little couch, one little chair, but it was like, it's going to be clean and it's mine. And, and I could pay the bills and, and I took pride in it. I take pride in my home and because I never really had a home. So I think, you know, growing up, we moved so much after my parents got divorced and just this constant chaos and drugs, and drinking and fighting and I never felt safe in a home and I finally, I feel safe, you know, um, and comfortable, you know, I haven't been comfortable, you know, sober, like my first five, 10 years, I wasn't comfortable. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a long process in this journey. And some days I still do get uncomfortable, but I'm so grateful. Um, my brother just had a, a baby a, two years, almost two years ago. So now I'm an aunt and I'm in her life. And, you know, I, I get to show up and, and be a part of, of her journey. And I get to be a sober woman and do that. Um, I'm so grateful for my sponsees and Jen for doing this 10 minutes. We talked today earlier and, and I was having it, you know, I was telling her, oh my God, I hate speaking. She's like, I know me too. But, you know, we do it. Like, it doesn't matter what you like, you know? The book doesn't talk about, let's talk about how you feel about this, Karen. Everything in the first 164 pages talks about what to do. Action, action, action. Take the action and the results will follow. And, um, you know, I took this action tonight, uh, regardless of what my stomach said, you know, um, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I need to call them and tell them, you know? What bullshit, you know? I'm crazy still at 16 and I'm still crazy. Um, so I, um, you know, this year has been, this, this year has been tough. The, um, the, uh, New Year's Eve, my, my cousin actually passed away. Um, he died and, uh, we were about two months apart and, uh, for many, many years I, I, uh, you know, I tried to sell him this thing of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and my sponsor always says, you know, Kathy always says, we're not selling anything here, you know, it's, 
if you want what we have, we do what we do. And, uh, and you know, he passed away uh, with other complications, but uh, unfortunately, you know, he didn't get to live this life. He didn't get the freedom that happens when you work the steps. He didn't get the serenity and peace that you get after you do a fist step with a sponsee, you know? Um, and, and that, you know, that was hard for me. And then, uh, you know, it was like all of a sudden back to work, moving and grooving, going to meetings, you know, doing everything that I do and, and um, showing up to um, help uh, my brother with stuff and the baby at the house. And, and then this COVID-19 went down and I was like, this isn't real. You know, I'm so, I'm like, this is all made up, you know, um, this is media. I just, I just don't buy it. And, uh, and it got serious real quick and it was like quarantine down in your house. And this, this time for me, I, I thank God for my sponsor because I've caught, you know, I call my sponsor every morning at 9am. I don't know if any of you do, but I still do. I still call her every morning at 9am. And, um, and I, and I also have a therapist because I'm, you know, helping that little Karen inside me grow, you know, got to let go of some old stuff. But um, I realized living here and being alone, I was living always on the go, going here, going there, you know, off to work by at least 8.30 in the morning, get home by 7.30, 8 o'clock at night after a meeting, or you go out to dinner after the meeting, or you know, uh, I was rarely home except on the weekends. And when this really hit, I realized I'm alone again. Like I felt like I was that girl again on the 15 freeway where I was all alone. And I was like, what? You're not alone, Karen. You got the phone, you got Zoom, you know, you're not in prison. You're not in the, I mean, it, this is, I will just, I telling you, my feelings are my enemy. I'm telling you that. So I'm just so grateful to be sober. And, um, you know, I just keep this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And every day I, I try to um, get up and thank God for another day, a new experience um, to see what, what entails. Um, I call my sponsor. Um, usually I have my girls that I sponsor. They call me. So I talk with them. We do what we need to do with that. And, um, I work as much as I can from home and do everything that I can do so that um, I can still stay safe and my clients can still stay safe um, and uh, do a Zoom meeting. It's awkward, I know. I, I will say, if you're new and you, this is like your first 60 days, I heard somebody on here get their 60 days, a couple of people actually, I don't know how you are going through this because I went to two meetings a day. I mean, I feel for you. I was, I, I, I don't know how you're doing it. And I, God bless you. Stay strong. Continue to do the Zoom meetings. Call people. If anybody wants my phone number, you can let me know. Jesse has it. Um, but I thank you all for taking the time to spend your Sunday night with me. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Thank you for allowing me to share.